from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. So you were pretty much the world's tallest freshman. Was, was that hard <laughs> to deal with? I mean, now it's, I'm sure, such a gift. Pretty much everywhere but the United States, volleyball is big. <laughs> it's funny because everyone sees like a success journey as like a very steady um, line up to the top. And I think that is very much what mine was not. I'm Sarah Fenske. Just over a week ago, Michelle Barch Hackley's Olympic dream came true. She was a key part of the USA volleyball team that took the gold, the first time the American team notched such a win. Barch Hackley was one of two athletes on the team given best outside hitter honors. And few people celebrated that win more eagerly than the people living around Collinsville, Illinois. That's where Michelle Barch Hackley grew up and graduated high school. To Larson for the win! This group of 12 strong, the group of 23 who filled the roster this season, the hundreds of women who built this program all have played a role in the creation of this moment. And that is the NBC Sports Call mixed with fan reaction gathered by the Belleville News Democrat at the watch party at the Collinsville High School Stadium. And joining us today is Michelle Barch Hackley. Michelle, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So congratulations on your gold medal. Has it sunk in yet that you are an Olympic gold medalist? Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> like there's no understanding here. This is this is your life now. Yeah, yeah, I have. It seems like a dream still. And was this a big dream for you? Is this something where growing up you thought, yeah, I, I want to be in the Olympics. I want to take the gold. Um, I don't know if it was so much like, oh my gosh, I hope that's like me playing volleyball. It was more like um, I grew up watching soccer and swimming at the Olympics, and I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> so maybe different sport, but I mean, it was something always that I found really cool. So soccer and swimming, and I understand you, you've done both of those, and you're good at those as well. Um, how is it that volleyball ended up becoming your big sport? Um, I don't know. I I mean, I grew up in Collinsville, and soccer is pretty big. My dad also played soccer in college, and I don't know. It was just like I kind of always just played volleyball. My mom played volleyball in college, and it was just something my parents never pushed me to play any sport specifically, but it was, I don't know, I always found volleyball a lot more enjoyable, and it was just really fun for me. Hmm. And then going in to high school, I was like, oh, I think I could maybe play volleyball in college. And then once I got to college, I just specifically only focused on volleyball. And so this was a matter, it sounds like this was this was very fun to play, but this was also a matter that you knew you were good enough to play in college. Yeah, I think so. I mean, more so like people telling me <laughs> that I, they think I had potential. Because I mean, when you're 6'3 going into high school, I mean, it's a little awkward for everyone. So it's like, oh, well, you have potential because you're tall type thing. And I don't know. It was just like I started believing people, I guess. 
I'm glad you listened to them. It feels like you would have wasted your talent otherwise. But you, you were 6'3 already in high school. Yeah, I mean, I grew pretty early, and then um, I didn't grow at all through high school, so I was 6'3 going into freshman year. So you were pretty much the world's tallest freshman. Was, was that hard <laughs> to deal with? I mean, now it's, I'm sure, such a gift to your athleticism, but I imagine as a 14-year-old that might have been hard. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think high school is difficult for everyone, no matter <laughs> how tall or small you are, so I think I don't know. I mean, my family is all tall, so it was just, it was pretty normal for me. But I mean, it's noticeable when you are walking into a gym and you're always the biggest one or taller than all your coaches. And as you mentioned, your mom was a college volleyball player, but this wasn't something she pushed. She was content to let you kind of find your way. Yeah, um, they just kind of always wanted me to be passionate and just have fun, what whatever I was doing. And I don't know, they were never really those crazy parents. Like, of course, they cared and they were competitive, but it was nothing intense. So your journey took some twists and turns. You played in college, um, but then you didn't necessarily follow the normal route from there. Uh, (laughs) Tell us this path. I mean, it took you all around the world. Yeah. Um, I mean, I um, finished my senior season in 2011 and decided to go to Puerto Rico to play professionally and um, I (laughs) to be honest I hated it and I was like I don't want to do this and And if I can cut in here what about it did you hate Um, I think just the cultural difference and professional volleyball is either hit or miss I mean it's either very organized or very unorganized Mm. and I fell in that unorganized realm of (laughs) volleyball. And it was just, I think, a big culture shift for me. I was pretty spoiled at Illinois and had one of the best coaches in the the country. And I think, I don't know, it was just a big jump. So I was like, I really don't want to do this. (laughs) So the lack of organization, that that drove you from that program there. Yeah, and... um, I decided that I wanted to continue coaching because I wasn't, I knew that I wasn't done with volleyball. And so I went to UC Irvine to coach with the men's team. And I loved it there. We actually won a national championship that year. Hmm. And um, the coach asked me to stay. And I was like, "Mm, I think I could see myself staying here a while. So I might regret not trying to play. So then I went to go try and play again. I got a uh, tryout in Germany, and then from there, kind of just kicked off my professionals, my professional career. I played three years in Germany, three in Italy, one in China. This will be my third going to Turkey. Wow! So you've you've kind of seen volleyball from all around the world. Initially, you didn't get quite the organization you were looking for. Is there any of those programs you'd point to where you'd say, "Yeah, they've really got this down. I loved playing for these guys." Yeah, I mean, I've had great experiences after Puerto Rico. I think I've been really, really lucky to have some really good organizations. I think in Germany, it was very organized. They follow a lot of rules, and it was kind of what I was looking for. And But it's just lower level of volleyball compared to like where I am now in Turkey. Hmm. And my team in Istanbul, I think, is probably one of the best teams I've ever played on. So maybe this is my ignorance as not being somebody who's super into Olympic level volleyball. Is Turkey, is volleyball a huge sport in Turkey? Yeah, it's huge. Um, 
I mean, in normal years, like stands are packed. And I mean, the Turkish athletes who play on my team are literally famous. I mean, it is, it's big, it, pretty much everywhere, but the United States volleyball is big. <laughs> <laughs> well, I imagine then when you're in Turkey, you maybe stand out a little bit. I mean, do people come up to you on the streets and, and they know you as a, as a sports superstar there? Yeah, I mean, um, definitely like going grocery shopping and things. People, people recognize me. They're always very nice. Turkish people are very friendly, very helpful. And I don't know, I just I love playing there. It's one of the best places in the world to play. Well, so in addition to this sort of trip around the world um, with these different volleyball programs, um, you wanted to compete for the USA. You were an alternate in the 2016 games. Was that heartbreaking to come that close? Um, honestly, I joined the team in 2015, the year before, which is halfway through the quad. And I kind of knew I didn't have a solid chance. I mean, people are going for like myself now, six, six, seven years, 10 years, 15 years Hmm. to try and go to one Olympics. So it being my second year, I kind of knew like it wasn't a reality. And I was actually one of the like last two to be cut from that team. And that was a big surprise to me. (laughs) I mean, I wasn't expecting to even make strides even at the Olympic roster. There's a lot of like B team tournaments going on that summer and I had played in all those. And then the tournament right before the Olympics, they called me to go to that tournament and I was like, hmm, okay, interesting. And um, I mean, it was not too much of reality, but it was, I mean, it was one of those things that it was close enough to hurt a little bit, of course, but not, not not soul crushing. Yeah, it sounds like from what you're saying, it was close enough that it actually, it made you realize, wow, I'm, I'm playing on this level. At that point, did you know, you know what, I, I should stick around for what we thought at the time would be 2020. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that was kind of, we take um, every season like year by year, just because most contracts are year by year overseas. And we just don't really know what to expect. And it was one of those things I was like, all right, I'll just feel it out this summer. And then after 2016, I was like, okay, I think I could probably really make a push for 2020. There were a lot of people leaving my position as well. And that was also a little helpful. We're talking today to Michelle Barch-Hackley. She recently won an Olympic gold medal uh, for USA Women's Volleyball. She uh, born and raised in the Collinsville area. Um, so you came so close in 2016. How did you find out you made the team for what ended up being 2021? Um, we had a process of either we could ask for an email at a time or an hour before that our coaches were doing one-on-one meetings and I don't love one-on-one meetings, whether it's good news or bad news. So um, I elected for the email and it was, um, I was lucky enough to have my husband with me during that tournament Mm -hmm. and um, he stole the phone from me and (laughs) he read the roster. (laughs) So you wanted some privacy for that decision. You didn't necessarily want to have to make eye contact with your coach when you learned what could (laughs) could be bad news. Yeah, I mean, I think... And just my personality, I don't love like being one-on-one in any sort of meeting. So I think it was just, it was better for me. And then I knew that my husband would be there and 
it could have been either like a really special moment for us or a really crappy moment for us, but I'm glad that it turned out to be really special. Yeah, I mean, what a great moment. I understand from from reading up on you, your husband normally travels with you. Sometimes your dog even travels with you. Did either of them get to come to Tokyo? Uh, No, unfortunately, the COVID restrictions are very strict. Um, But they did a lot of like really cool watch parties. Team USA put on some stuff in Orlando for families and friends. And um, obviously in Collinsville, they did a bunch of watch parties. And I think that was just really cool for me to see like everyone together. Because I'm not sure that would have happened if it was, if like all my family and friends maybe made the trip to Tokyo. I'm not sure how many watch parties would have actually happened. Yeah, I mean, the fact that you're playing there and you're not getting that normal excitement from having the fans in the stands. Did you almost feel it vicariously? You knew that people were gathered in the Collinsville area. Yeah, for sure. And um, I actually know Jed Robbins had, I graduated with him in Collinsville and he put on this huge watch party event at the high school, which is really cool. And then um, my parents did a watch party and I know like just a lot of people are watching and supporting and it's fun just seeing like people in t-shirts and with my name on it and like all these things. I think, I mean, that's something different as like being professional because when we're professional overseas like obviously it's not televised here and there's not as much like I I guess connection back to home. Mm -hmm. Well so this is huge and you're 31 years old now you're an Olympic gold medalist you're gonna have that for the rest (laughs) of your life to hold on to is it different getting it now than it would have if this had happened right outside of college? Um yeah I think so I think it's funny because everyone sees like a success journey as like a very steady um, line up to the top. And I think that is very much what mine was not. And I think most Olympic athletes never have an easy road. And I think, I don't know, it's just cool to see how my journey has gone. And then this being at like one of the top pinnacles, I guess, of sport. And it's really cool. I'm still planning to continue my career, but I don't know. We'll see. It's very satisfying near the end of my career, I could tell you that. <laughs> For sure. That's so exciting. And you said you're going to continue your career. Does this mean you're going back to Turkey now? Yeah. Yeah. I leave in a few weeks and I go back to Istanbul. Well, we wish you the best there. We're just all so happy to take ownership of your success here, the whole St. Louis Metro. So, uh, Michelle Barchakli, thank you so much for joining us today, and congratulations again. Thank you so much for having me. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. If you learned something new from today's episode, consider leaving us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the easiest way to help people discover our show. We appreciate it. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis.
Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.